1 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 29. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. Just tell somebody Solomon was a wise guy. In fact, verse 4, or I'm sorry, verse 31 says, He was wiser than all men. And they named some other wise guys. And he says, and His fame was in all the nations round about. Second Chronicles chapter 8, starting at verse number 1. Uh, in, in my Bible, it said something like, Solomon's accomplishments was the, the title of chapter 8. Came to pass at the end of 20 years, wherein Solomon he had built the house of the Lord in his own house. And, and then it starts naming cities that Solomon built. He built the city of Huram. Uh, verse number three, he built some city I can't pronounce. Uh, in verse number four, he built Tadmor, which was apparently a wonder to behold. Verse number five, he built, he built Beth Horon, the upper and the lower. Verse six, he Balath and all the store cities and cities of horsemen and cities of chariots and uh, all the stuff he wanted to do at Jerusalem. He did that. Verse number seven, all the... All the foreigners that were in the country, he raised the taxes on them. And verse number 8, he didn't put any taxes on the people of Israel. Now, doesn't that sound good? I want, Okay, we'll just move on. He lowered the home folks' people taxes. and, 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 and the, Okay. Num, verse number 8, their children, uh, they left in the land. Verse number 9, we'll just go on here. I, I want to get to verse... Uh, number 11, verse number 9, he, uh, he, he didn't make any servants out of the children of Israel. He made them captains and horsemen and uh, charioteers. Verse number 10, uh, the Israelites were Solomon's officers. There were 250 of them. They ruled over the people. Verse number, we're talking about all these accomplishments of Solomon. Verse number 11, and Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the city of David unto the house that he had built for her. For he said, my wife shall not dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the palaces are holy, whereunto the ark of the Lord hath come. Verse number 12, Solomon went, and he burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the porch. And just keeps going with all of Solomon's accomplishments. Uh, Solomon was wise. He, had, he, had, he, had, he just had everything going for him. But I want you to focus on verse number 11, where it says, And Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh, out of the city of David unto the house that he had built for her. For he said, My wife shall not dwell in the house of David the king, because the palaces are holy, whereunto the ark of the Lord hath come. This wisest king, wisest man of the east, this enriched king, married a woman that was so unholy he couldn't even bring her to daddy's house. He knew what was right and chose not to do it. Because knowing and doing are two different things. I want us to pray tonight. Father, you're a great and a mighty king. You are above all. You are through all. You are in us all. And we need you tonight. God, I pray that you will speak to us from the front to the back. Every individual in this place and watching online, I pray, God, that you will cause a holy anointing to flow and that you will cause a spirit of revelation and understanding to grip us, to get a hold of us, oh God, and make us into what you want for us to be. 
God, I pray that you give us a heart to serve you with everything that's within us and we will glorify you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Thank you for standing. Thank you. You've been standing for quite a while. Solomon is a paradox. He's the wisest of the wise. By measure of treasure, of conquest, of prosperity, of territory, he is the most successful king in all of Egypt. Now, I just want to preface this message by saying that this is for everybody. This is for the sinner and the saint. This is for the preachers, and this is for, you might just have walked in the back door for the first time today. Uh, This is for the new convert and the seasoned saint. I want to talk to everybody tonight. I have a burden to share this word with you about Solomon. He was uh, just so successful. David was a worshiper and a warrior that set the stage for what Solomon would do. But it was Solomon, not David, that God entrusted to construct the temple. From a geopolitical standpoint, no king of Israel before or since wielded power like Solomon did. No one was as wealthy as Solomon was. No one saw the nation expanded like Solomon did. No one brokered peace like Solomon made, uh, like Solomon did and made political allies like Solomon did. No one experienced expansion and, ex- and establishment of cities like Solomon did. However, even though the Solomon was smarter, richer, and more powerful, and he was probably good looking to go along with it, don't you hate those guys? They got money, they got, you know, they got, they got it all going for it. Solomon had it all going for him. Even though he had it all going for him, it was because of his actions that the kingdom was divided. It was because of his decisions that his sons would not reign over Israel and that the Messiah would not come through his lineage. It was because of decisions that he made in his life. How did a man that had... This, I want you to think about this. How did a man that had so much going for him fail? How did it happen? How was, was it that he didn't love God? That wasn't it. Solomon loved God. Was it that uh, maybe Solomon wasn't a worshiper? That wasn't it at all. Solomon was an extravagant worshiper. Uh, maybe Solomon had poor intentions. No, that wasn't it either because uh, whenever God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon said, uh, just, just help me that I can be a good ruler over your wonderful people. And God said, you got it. I'm going to make you wise. Was it that, what, what, what happened to Solomon? I want, I want us to grab a hold of this tonight, and I don't know if I'm going to preach or if I'm going to teach, but I want us to see some things in the Word of God. There's something in Deuteronomy chapter 17 that uh, just really astounds me, Brother Josh. And if you want to follow along with me in your Bible, you can, but Deuteronomy 17 and verse number 14, God has given instructions to Moses And he says, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shall possess it, and shall dwell therein, and shall say, I will set a king over me, like as all the nations that are about me. This is is really interesting because it was never the desire of God for Israel to have a king. But he said, When they rebel, when they reject me, and they want a king, here's the rules for the king. He says, "When When you... Verse 15, Thou shalt in any wise set a king over thee whom the Lord shall choose, 
one from among the brethren shalt thou set as a king over thee. Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. And then he, he goes on, he, he gives us some instructions. And uh, I, I want to I skip down to uh, verse number 18, because I, I think 18 is such a cool verse. We'll go back to the other ones in a second. He says, It shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites. Now, I, I, I'll slow down and tell you what God just told Moses. When you get over there and you get a king and the king sits down on the throne, the first thing that the king needs to do is call for the priests and the priests bring him a copy of the book of the law. And the king needs to copy the book of the law. It's the first thing he's supposed to do, Brother Dennis. In other words, you know, bring, bring the man a Bible and a pen and a big fat notebook because he's got some copying to do. A number of translations render that verse to say, as the Levites watch, he is to copy the, the, the word out of the law. Which makes sense, Brother Ben, because uh, the scribes had very, very strict uh, rules that they followed whenever they copied the word of the Lord. Uh, one of the ways that you can be confident that the word that you hold in your hand today is actually the word of God is the rules that the scribes had to follow. It was very meticulous that there would be no errors involved whatsoever. And so the, the priest would bring the king the book of the law and he would copy the word of the Lord down so he would have his own personal copy. Now, I, I don't know, if it, has anybody tried that? No. <laughs> okay. I, I will confess to you that I have copied the book of Genesis. Years ago, I had one of those cake jobs Is this online? <laughs> I, I, it was a great schedule, Brother Tim. And I had, I had and there was one time I had an hour for lunch and an hour and a half planning period all mashed together. I had a two and a half hour break in the middle of the day. It was wonderful. They did away with that schedule. But I, I got a notebook and I, I got out my Bible and I, I began to write and I wrote the book of Genesis. I don't know how long it took. It really didn't take all that long. A few weeks during, during my lunchtime, I would write. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, whenever you write the Word of God, you get a lot of stuff that you don't get just reading it. Because you, you have to slow down enough that, that, that your brain is working faster than your hand can and, and you, you realize some stuff. You, you really get some understanding of it whenever you write it down. And so that's what God said. You are going to sit on the throne as a king and write the word of God. So understand that Solomon knew the word of the Lord. In fact, this verse that we just read, Solomon copied that verse that we just read on his own personal scroll so that every day... Uh, it's, it's so that every day he could, he could have it in front of him and he could read it. And so that, that was, those were the instructions for the king. And, and there were some other instructions, actually. We can go back up to verse number 16. It says, uh, talking about the king, he says, But he shall not multiply horses to himself, 
nor cause the people to return to Egypt to the end that they should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord has said to you, ye shall henceforth return no more that way, and neither shall he multiply wives to himself. Somebody say amen. Uh, that his heart turn not away, neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Verse 20 says that his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, that he turn not aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left, or to the end of that he may prolong his days and his kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So in this one little section of scripture, God gives the king instructions of what he's supposed to do and tells him to write it all down. And God says, whatever you do, king, don't multiply horses unto yourself. Whatever you do, don't multiply silver and gold unto yourself. And whatever you do, don't multiply wives unto yourself. God said, don't multiply horses, but Solomon did. 1 Kings 4, 26, Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And Solomon had horses that he brought out of Egypt. He said, don't multiply silver and gold to yourself. But it says in 1 Kings 10, 21, that all Solomon's drinking vessels were of gold. And the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were of pure gold. None of it was silver, because it was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. In other words, all, all Solomon, his soup bowl was gold. His, his teaspoon was gold. Brother Pat, his digital meat thermometer was gold. Silver? Who's got silver? I don't, I don't eat off of silver. I eat off of gold. It says that he made gold. Uh, gold was so plentiful and that silver was so plentiful that it was just like stones. Silver. God said don't do that. Solomon did. You know, I confess tonight that I have read Solomon wrong for 21 years. I have read those sections of Scripture where it talks about all the gold that he brought and, and all, the, all the stuff that he did and how wealthy he was. I've read that like it was a blessing and never realized that it was his disobedience. Relanum. He had all that stuff. Man, that's awesome. I mean, we get excited about it. We shout about it. Look how successful Solomon was. Actually, all of that stuff was a symbol of his disobedience. It was evidence of the fact that he didn't adhere to the Word of God. And God said, Solomon, don't, or whatever king, don't multiply wives unto yourself. That's the only one we understand. Somebody can chuckle at that. You know, because I think that one wife is enough for any man and too much for some. No wonder he multiplied unto himself silver and gold. As according to First Kings 11 and 3, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Man needed a fat wallet.
God said, don't multiply unto, yourselves, unto yourself wives, but he did. This man that was wiser than anyone that had ever lived did exactly the three things that God told them not to do. Why would God say don't multiply horses? It's because horses are a source of strength and a king with chariots and a cavalry doesn't need God. As David wrote and said, some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's that same David that said, you come to me with a shield and a spear and a sword, but I come unto you with the name of the Lord. He said, don't trust in chariot. Don't multiply those things that are going to cause you to depend on the arm of flesh rather than depending on the name of the Most High God because the name of the Lord is a strong tower. You don't need horses, Solomon. You don't need chariots. You, don't, you sure don't need to go down to Egypt to figure out how to make war. You need the name of the Lord. We thought he was blessed. No. He was disobedient. Why don't multiply riches? Because the rich had the propensity to trust in their riches. Proverbs eleven twenty eight, A verse that Solomon wrote. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall. Why don't multiply wives? Well, he tells us, 1 Kings 11 and 3, he had 700 wives, 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as, his, as father, uh, excuse me, as the heart of David his father. And then I'm just going to read this because it's a mess. Verse 5, for Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not full after the Lord as David his father. And then did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and then the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Amnon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. It's a mess. This, this is the same Solomon that two Sundays ago I preached about that went to the altar of the Lord and sacrificed a thousand sacrifices unto God when he was first king. This Solomon built altars to Molech and sacrificed unto idol gods. Verse 9, And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee and will give it to thy servant. The wisest man to ever live. I know we're not shouting and we're not going to. I want to talk to you tonight. Because Solomon, what happened to Solomon? 
I'm going to tell you what happened to Solomon. He knew better, but didn't do better. He knew right, but didn't do right. He had a knowledge, but he didn't have any follow-through. He knew what he should do. He knew what he shouldn't do. How did that happen, though? It happened just like the Word of the Lord said. His heart was lifted up. He got to a position where he was something, he was somebody, he was comfortable where he was, and he could do whatever he wanted to do despite what the Word of the Lord told him to. Okay, all right. Now, why am I preaching this tonight? It seems like... Maybe my favorite YouTube video, y'all can, y'all can look for it on, uh, uh, later. Not right now. It's called The Honest Preacher. It takes about 60 seconds to watch. You ever watch it, Brother Justin? No? Okay, you're nodding like maybe you'd seen it. Has anybody seen it? The Honest Preacher? All right, you got it. Don't, don't look at it right now. Don't look at it right now. But this preacher comes out and he's frustrated. I'm not frustrated. I'm not. I'm just trying to tell you what I believe the Lord gave us for tonight. But the preacher comes out and you can tell he's frustrated. And he says, oh look, it's Jesus. And he says... Stop it! Why would I get up here tonight and and spend time preaching, valuable time preaching, and talking about something we should already know? Because Solomon should have known too. And if Solomon the wisest man to ever live could be tripped up, could be snared, could mess up, could make mistakes. Don't think that any one of us in this room are beyond the same thing. God help us. Solomon should already know. I don't know where Solomon's pastor was. I don't know where... The priest was when Solomon was gathering wives and gathering gold and gathering horses that he knew he shouldn't do. But I'm here tonight to talk to you about some things that we know we should do or we know we should not do. But let us be different from Solomon and that we follow through and follow the Word of the Lord. Let's just lift our hands right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, give us a willing heart and a desire. I pray You'll empower us. Lord, You're going to give us strength. You're going to give us wisdom. And You're going to empower us through Your Spirit that Solomon did not have. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Alright, I want to talk to you about a few things that Solomon did. It says that Solomon married... Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter, brought her back to Jerusalem and said, I cannot put her in David's house because David's house was a holy place. David's house was a place of worship. David's house was a place where the presence of God was not just welcome, but it was invited. He recognized... There's only two points to this message, by the way. He recognized the value of holiness and purity, but built a place in his life for the ungodly. He made space in his life for that which was unacceptable to God.
He built a place in his life for what was unclean, unholy, and unfit for his father's house. He knew she was not fit to be around the holiness of God. We cannot afford to compartmentalize our walk with God. I'll be holy on Sunday, I'll be holy on Wednesday, I'll be holy uh, at the church picnic, and I'll be holy at the men's cookout, and I'll, I'll live for God, and I'll behave myself when I'm around church people. And, uh, but but, but I, I need some time carved out for things that I don't want my church friends to know about. I, I need, some, I need some, some me time where... I don't want, I sure don't want the preacher to know about it, and I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want Brother Josh to know about it. I don't want anybody in the church to know about it, but I need some, I need to set some things aside because they're unfit for David's house. He knew that he shouldn't marry her, but he married her anyway. And this isn't a message about marriage, so just, just, just take a deep breath. He knew that she was not fit for his father's house, but was joined to her anyway. The Bible says this, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own? For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If, if we're not careful, we, w- we could fall into the trap of, uh, of, of the religious world that says you can be holy in spirit and God doesn't care about your body. This body is His temple. And He cares. There's some stuff that just isn't fit to go in Daddy's house. Can you... just Let's back up for a second. Can you imagine this? Brother Ben... Can you imagine? I don't know why I'm talking to you. It's just because I like to pick on Sister Cheryl. Can you imagine getting engaged to a woman who would not be invited to daddy's house? She's not fit here. Now, maybe your dad was a jerk. Maybe your dad, you know, I, I, I could understand that. But who's David, the holy man of God? I'm going to marry a woman, but I couldn't even bring her to dad's house. His dad's house is a holy place. us we if it's not fit for our father's house we shouldn't be participating in it let me let me let's throw all the rating systems out the window for 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 uh, tv and movies and games Here's the rating system, Brother Pat, that we, ought to, that we ought to adapt or adopt. And that is, you can sit down on your couch and turn it on, and if Jesus sits down beside you and says, give me a Dr. Pepper and some popcorn, you're probably okay. But if he gets up and leaves the room, you should probably change the channel. If it's not fit for my father's house, why would I entertain it? Why would I bring something home that doesn't fit in my father's house? Have you ever heard somebody say, I'm talking about doing things we know we should do and not doing things that we shouldn't. Have you ever heard somebody say, I really shouldn't be saying this, but... Don't! 
I really shouldn't be telling you this. Don't tell me. This is simple. Just don't. don't. You know, I really shouldn't be part of this conversation. Then don't be. I really shouldn't be watching this. Then turn it off. I shouldn't be looking at this. Then don't. I shouldn't be listening to this. Then turn it off. I shouldn't be thinking this. And David prayed. He said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. I shouldn't be thinking about this. Then stop. Think about if there's whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever, whatsoever, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You know, if you start thinking about the wrong stuff, it'll take you the wrong places. And if you start thinking about the right stuff, it'll take you to the right places. Lucifer said in his heart, I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. Jesus saw him kicked out of heaven like lightning. But that little woman with the issue of blood that said in her heart, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. See, it matters what you're thinking about. So if you shouldn't be thinking about it, say it with me. Don't! I want to be fit for the Father's house. Let me preach to the sanctified church for a little bit. I really shouldn't be drinking this. I really shouldn't be ingesting this. I really shouldn't be putting this in my body. Just don't. I shouldn't wear this. Let me, let me talk to the sanctified church. I shouldn't wear this. I shouldn't cut this. I should wear this and I should cut this. But knowing is not enough. Let me move on. I shouldn't be talking to so and so. I shouldn't be hanging out with. Read the book of Proverbs. In fact, I would, I would, Sister Saley, I would encourage you to read the book of Proverbs every month. You can read one chapter a day, every day. And the book of Proverbs, which is full of lots of wisdom, stuff that Solomon knew but he wasn't necessarily obedient to, it'll fill you with wisdom. You read the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, he introduces stuff and says you need to follow after wisdom, and the first advice he gives is about the company that you keep. Yeah, I probably shouldn't be hanging out with so-and-so. That was so weak. I probably shouldn't be hanging out with so-and-so. Don't. I probably should not be having a conversation with so-and-so. I probably shouldn't be texting him or her. I probably shouldn't be alone with them. Don't. David, you know, you probably shouldn't have been lying around in bed at a time when kings go off to war. Because when you were lying there on your bed, you got up, stretched yourself, going to walk out on the, on, the, on the patio there, and you see that lady, 
and you saw something that you shouldn't have, you probably should have turned your head. You probably should have walked away. But you know what he did? Got out his phone. Hey, does anybody know who that chick is over there on the roof? Just curious. Just asking for a friend. It says he inquired about her. He, he didn't start with. He inquired. Who, who is it? Oh, yeah, I know that guy. Yeah, oh, yeah. Stop! Do not let the spirit of adultery get a hold of you. It will destroy you. The Bible says, I don't know why I'm on this right now, but the Bible says that every sin that you commit is outside of the body except for the sin of adultery. He says, can any man take fire into his own bosom and not be burned? So stop. Set up some... I'm not... I don't know. I need to tell somebody. I'm not mad and I don't even have the spirit of suspicion. But I want us to live godly, righteously, and holy, and I don't want to give the devil even the tiniest little fingernail hold that he could get a hold of. Because if Solomon could be sucked in to something, read the book of Proverbs. Over and over and over and over, he warns about strange women. And I know some of you think I married one. He knew better, Brother Josh. He just didn't do better. Why do we have a tendency? Are we okay with that? Just tell somebody, don't! Why do we have a tendency, Brother Pat, to do things that we know we ought not do? Romans 7 and 19 says, this is the Apostle Paul, he says, For the good that I would, I do not, and the evil which I would not, that I do. He says, I realize that there is a war inside of my flesh. And I promise you, whichever, if you feed your spirit, then the spirit man is going to get stronger. And if you feed your flesh, the flesh man is going to get stronger. we got to tap into the Holy Ghost. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Thanks be to God that causes us always to triumph. Just because you're smart, just because you're, you're, you've been in the church for 25 years, just because you're gifted does not exempt you from the snare of the enemy. We tell the, the Bible stories to elementary school kids. Yeah, one of our favorite Bible stories, one of our favorite characters, one of God's superheroes is Samson. Love Samson, man! He can take a, an old leftover jawbone and whoop up on some guys. Man, they, they, they make him mad. He'll rip the gates off the city and drag them up the top of the hill just out of spite. That guy's something. Whoop up on, just rend a lion in two. Man, he was something. He finds himself down at, I don't remember where he was. He was in Gath or Timnath or, I don't know where he was. I know where his head was. His head was in the lap of Delilah. 
I just want to pause here for a moment and say, though Solomon made it to the hall of faith, Hebrews chapter 11, Solomon was a numbskull. Solomon, he had no brains. Reminds me of some... Some people have a... Some people have a switch on their brain. You know, I'm not going to use it right now. Just power it down. Just rest. Samson lays his head in this chick's lap. And she says, Hun, where do you get all that power? And he tells her some fib. Uh, you just, uh, just braid my hair. Then I'll lose all my power. Well, she does it. I was talking to Brother Dennis about this. And uh, he said, you know, after the second time, I'd have, I'd have caught on. <laughs> and some of us would have caught on the first time. Where's your great power lie? Oh, man. Oh, where's your great power lie? Oh, if you, if, you, if you wrap my arm, if you wrapped up my hands in a, in, in a, in a green twine of some kind, I, I'll be powerless. And she does it. This goes on and on and on. She's trying to destroy him. And he keeps going back. He knew what he should do. He just didn't do it. Why? Because he was dumb. Like we have a propensity to be. Because there are some things that we'll go back to even though they're potentially harmful. There are some things we'll just continue to lay our head down in the lap of even though it is not good for my spiritual growth. In fact, it has the potential to destroy me. But there's something about Solomon and something about Samson that they had in common and that is that they were powerful men. Solomon cognitively powerful, Samson physically powerful and whenever they were lifted up in their heart, they said, nah, I can overcome this. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm at. I'll be all right. If you find yourself saying, I'll be all right, in a situation like that, it's time to repent and back up a little bit. If you find yourself saying, I can handle this sin, it's time to back up a little bit. Because you can't handle it. It will handle you. So despite, despite the fact that they were powerfully anointed and, and, and incredibly smart, they did dumb things. And if our hearts get lifted up and we think that we're better or above the rules, we cannot handle it. The Bible says, Let he that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. He said, If you think you're okay, watch out. But it says in another place that we should walk circumspectly. In other words, watch where you're going. Be careful. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your devil, as a roaring lion, he's lurking about. He's looking for an opportunity to pounce. 
And we need to draw some lines in our life that says, I know I'm not supposed to do this because God said so, and that's all I need to know. Solomon's, you know what? Do you know why Solomon married all these wives? Because every time that he, he married another wife, he made an allegiance with another country. He married, this is, uh, I think it's 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 3, but I'm not certain about that. It says that, that he married Pharaoh's daughter and made affinity with him. In other words, he made a peace treaty with Pharaoh. He said, I'll just marry this chick and then we'll have... Is it okay to say chick? That's not too condescending, is it? I'll marry this, this lady and then I'll have peace. I mean, I know God said don't multiply wives, but, but I, I got a reason for doing this. In other words, I can get away with this because I'm smarter than God. I don't know if I have this scripture in my notes or not. I know you all are thinking he's read 73 scriptures. He's bound to have this in his notes. There is no counsel. There is no word. There is no reasoning that can stand against God. In other words, God's Word is always right and you'll never be smarter than the Word of God. I don't understand why we have to do this. And if you have questions about, about the Word, I, come to me. I love to answer questions. I do. If, if they're sincere questions and they're not arguments. I love to talk to people about the Word. Why, why do we have to do this? I don't understand. You know what, Brother Pat? I came to a revelation when I was very young in the Lord, and that was, I don't have to understand it to obey it. There are some things I realize now I wasn't even ready to understand, but I was ready to obey. And I figured out God's smarter than I am. And if I'll obey, as for the Lord, Psalm 119, His way is right. That's it. That's it. Well, I don't understand why I need to do this. Well, how about just do it for right now? Oh, man. I got to service early. I got all kinds of time. Uh, have any of you parents in the room ever seen your child about to do something potentially harmful. I saw Sister Emily not too long ago as, uh, as little Zeke was making his way toward an outlet. I don't know why, but he seems to be really, like, attracted to outlets. Anybody ever had to... Yeah, I'm talking about you, pal. Any, any parent had to, ever had to yell at your child to, to, to not run out in the road? Yell at your... Just... Did your mama ever yell at you? Did she? Okay. She's not even here to defend herself. Sometimes... <laughs> Parents, am I right though? Sometimes you have to tell your child what to do and you don't have time to explain it and they wouldn't understand even if you did. What you need is for them to obey now. 
Obey now. Obey now. Because they, don't, they can't see the danger, they don't know what the danger is, but they need to obey now because it's potentially dangerous to their life. That's how we need to uh, follow our Savior. When He says, don't do this, you need to do this, before I even understand why, I need to be in obedience mode. I need to, if He says don't, okay, you can explain it to me later if you want to, but I'm not going to. God did not have to explain Himself to Solomon. Just don't. And this man, Solomon, didn't just miss out for himself, Brother Dennis. He missed out for all of his posterity. Because it was the promise to David. David said, There will not fail a man of your lineage to sit on the throne of Israel. And that included the one we read about in the book of Revelation when the Messiah sits on the throne. That same promise would have applied to Solomon. But David gave him a warning. You okay there? Don't go to sleep on me. Okay. David gave him a warning. Before David died, he said, Seek the Lord with all your heart, and the Lord will bless you. But if you turn from the Lord, He will turn from you. If you'll obey Him, it's going to be great. But if you turn from Him, He's going to rend the kingdom out of your hand. And that's exactly what happened. This man, with all of the potential, ends up with nothing because he didn't do what he knew he was supposed to do. I want to stand to our feet tonight. David said this in Psalm chapter 19. Uh, around verse number 12, he, he's praying. Verse number 13, he says, Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have the dominion over me. Then I shall be upright and I shall not be innocent. And, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. He used this word. It's, it's a big word. Presumptuous. Keep me back from presumptuous sins. A presumptuous sin, Sister Cat, is when I know to do better, but I choose not to. I presume within myself, I'm just going to go ahead and do it, even though I know better. And, the, and, and David said, that is the great transgression. To know to do right and not do it is the great transgression. Solomon had incredible potential. Amazing potential. I would, I would be willing to say, Brother Pat, that with Solomon's wisdom, he probably had more potential than anybody in this room. He should have made, if anybody should have been okay, it should have been Solomon. But he did not obey the word of the Lord. And knowing is not good enough. And so I said I was going to make this, this is a message for everybody here. I want to close your eyes right where you're standing. David prayed and said, Search me, Lord, and try me. If there would be any unclean thing in me, search me and try me. I want you to allow the Lord to search your life.
Solomon brought home something that wasn't fit for dad's house and, and he had to compartmentalize and he made a place to, to put this worldly thing. So as your eyes are closed, I want you to continue. Ask, Lord, are there, saying, are there things that I'm participating in? Are there things that I'm doing that I know you wouldn't accept in your house? I know it's not pleasing to you. There are things that I'm, I'm aligning myself with or there are people that I'm aligning myself with that I know you're not pleased with. God, I'm asking you to search every one of us. Search our hearts tonight. Oh God. God, I pray that right now you'll illuminate any blind spots that we may have. Anything that we've, we've ignored or we've pushed to the back and said, ah, that, that'll be okay. I want us to search our hearts right now. Is there anything, oh God, for all things are naked and transparent in His sight. He sees it all. Oh God, wash us and cleanse us. And Lord, if there's any propensity for us to lean toward the things of the flesh, if there's any propensity for us to, that we would be sliding towards something that's going to be detrimental in our lives, I'm asking you that you will yell in, a, in our ears, in our minds right now, oh God, why don't we all find a place to pray? You can come around the altar. You can kneel at your pew. But I want us to all find a place to pray. God, I don't want to be guilty of the great transgression. Somebody needs to make, a, make an agreement with God, a vow to God. God, I, I may not understand it all, but I'm going to submit to it all. I may not understand it all, God, but I'm going to do everything I can to obey it all. By Your help and grace, oh God.